I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put him back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Woolly Awards. This is the 8th Annual Awards. Um, I'm sure you've all been keeping count um, with me on this very special occasion. Conan's worn a shirt. Fair play <laughs> to you, Conan. Like, I mean, all yeah. you need is a dicky boat. It's a white shirt. I remember last year you were pretending like we were all wearing tuxes. But now this year we're on YouTube. We're on Poxy YouTube, yeah. So everyone's <laughs> going to see it. Yeah, we, we might not have been wearing tuxes last year when we were <laughs> Connor's here as well. Connor's wearing a polo shirt. So you have a collar on as well. Uh, so. I wanted a tuxedo t-shirt, but I, I couldn't find it in my wardrobe this morning, I'm afraid. You're a very special guest here, Connor, Thank because you. you get the credit of starting the Woolly Awards. So this was back when you're just grabbing a couple of tweets um, back in the day. <laughs> long time <and> ago. <laughs> long time ago. So I think I sent out a few tweets about the fav- uh, players I like and players I didn't like and you christened them the Woolly Awards so there you go so eight annual awards later and here, here you am. are on yeah, the Woolly here Awards here I am here I am when I spot the potential for a good idea Woolly, <laughs> I follow up on it. just to say I'm sorry I'm late the crowds outside are absolutely no ridiculous. it is a bit it gets yeah. a bit mental autograph hunters and stuff and to be honest we moved it from in around all stars time uh, this year because there are a couple of kind of uh poor imitations of the Woolly Awards floating around that week so I want to just separate it out let's get a, put a, an end of year award plus next year hopefully we'll have the Woolly Awards at a live venue now hopefully those oh, we'll have the tuxes on cheap, then we'll have to have the tuxes on then because that's the dream for me that's the dream for me is to move the Woolly Awards into 
an actual live event where Willie. you have a red carpet I know we have a red carpet here today but yeah. like I mean we didn't record that you know? some of so these categories will they do yeah. I don't think people are going to show up to win their awards shut up <laughs> <laughs> we'll change them we'll doctor them well, we'll have to give our all stars we're not giving that because we've given that now the all stars have been done these are end of year awards there's no all stars been given out um, we've got nine awards so goal of the year controversy of the year prefer to go walk the dog game of the year that's um, for Joe Brawley and Colin O'Rourke who often <laughs> refer to the fact that they, they took the dog out for a walk um, fans leaving at half time performance of the year or leaving before the end of the game so called weaker county famous win of the year GEAPR fuck up of the year individual performance of the year structure fuck up of the year and Woolly Parkinson's ego award for dropping off the panel because you're not getting a game <laughs> so there you are there's the nine individual awards so we're going to we're going to start off here with um, the goal of the year so the nominations in football is David Clifford that's a very obvious one against Monaghan JJ Hutchinson with an absolute screamer for Waterford against Wexford in the qualifiers that was a famous win for Waterford that we might hear a bit about later on we have Daniel Finn versus Monaghan a real solo effort and a finish at the top corner and we have the Coro Finn goal in the All-Ireland Club final which obviously Conan loves now because oh, we'll, never see, we'll never see their <laughs> likes again well not until the league <laughs> <laughs> so the winner here I think we're going to go for well i tell you what we'll do hurling as well and we'll announce the two winners um, at the same time so hurling we have Conor Lehan goal against Limerick absolute screamer into the roof of the net did all the work himself Johnny Glynn versus Clare caught the ball held off his man with one hand and whacked it in tennis style with just uh, with his left hand and then we have Shane O'Donnell versus Galway which is an absolutely sensational goal when he got the ball there was absolutely no goal on two Galway lads Dahi Burke in around the mix and what he did was just absolutely sensational so listen lads I'll throw the football over to you two and maybe I'll talk about the hurling one is that fair enough? <laughs> I think I'll <laughs> sounds good to me <laughs> <laughs> Who, what do you think football? Um, I mean straight away like Daniel Flynn and David Clifford jumps out to me Daniel Flynn's one was incredible what I like most about that was that Drew Wiley is almost touched tight to him on the 45 but then when Flynn decides to go boom it's just, yeah. just a gap opens up and Wiley's sort of struggling to get after him like and there's just the way he takes that little dummy solo and just goes past Darren Hughes like he's not even there Darren Hughes is there in the Colin Cavanagh role doing it well all year to stop goals and he just waltzes past him yeah. and just nonchalantly sort it's of such a nonchalant finish oh, such a into no- the top corner yeah. this fella's done this before I don't know I was watching Tahiji Cahar there at the weekend and they were doing all goals of the year and they showed Daniel Flynn had three nominations one was against Mayo in the league where he caught the ball on on the end line and was there, was it was in the league right it was, yeah, yeah. and comes right around the goals two or three lads kind of feigning to shoot gets around to the very far side of the goals and whacks it back into the the other corner then against Dublin do you remember his goal yeah. against Dublin an impossible angle and it sticks into the, the, yeah. the stanchion yeah. like this yeah. lad's a beyond belief some of the goals this yeah. fella scores it's crazy and then he just walks away like he hasn't done anything special like, you know? I think next year we'll be calling it the Daniel Flynn award for goal yeah. of the year yeah it looks like <laughs> it yeah. okay right well you've given me your thoughts on that hurling um, to me I don't see any goal past Shane O'Donnell's because a, li- a bit like Daniel Flynn when he gets the ball you're not thinking goal and all the great goal scorers are thinking goal that's just the way it is you know and like I mean he rides a tackle he goes around the long way and then comes in drops the ball on the ground pretending to shoot yeah. and then whacks it along the ground like I mean there are so many different scenes to this play that, that dummy was the icing on the cake yeah. at the end but like he's uh, he's not just beating any men he's beaten like Shane O'Donnell isn't the biggest like intercounty hurler out there 
Galway have most of the biggest inter-county hurlers out there so I think he runs into Dahi Burke Dahi Burke tries he pirouettes into him first yeah. Dahi Burke nearly tries to wrap him up evades Dahi Burke I think uh, he beats another defender and then it's David Burke that David comes Burke across to try and get him yeah. drops it just that's when sit, he drops it finish. oh it was fantastic but under that pressure after taking on those two lads to see someone coming in on your blind side and to just drop yeah. the ball yeah. like that's Jamie Clark versus Tip yeah. it's better than Jamie Clark versus Tip he failed to shoot it's hard yeah. like obviously it's harder some of these things in hurling Conan won't like to hear that either. <laughs> <laughs> Total football snob, but no. Listen, I don't think many players in the game can score goals like that outside of ju- no. you know the extremely talented. Right, let's get to the winners, lads. So the winner, <laughs> a goal we haven't mentioned at all, <laughs> is uh, David Clifford versus Monaghan. Like, I mean, you cannot get a better goal than this. Now, this is clutch. This is your first year. This is when he got the ball. Like, I mean, he's on. Okay, I think both feet are the same. But be, I think left would be his stronger side. Oh, yeah, I think they're, they're actually. But like, I mean, to, to whack it in that power, the picture that was taken from behind that goal mm. and doing the rounds on Twitter, they what he had to aim at there. Yeah. Lads, it's just, it's just a phenomenon. It's a phenomenal goal to generate that that much power, that many bodies, and get that ball in. And obviously, clutch part of the game obviously JJ Hutchinson deserves a shout out as well that was a screamer from the 21 um, I think the winner in hurling is Shane O'Donnell so there you go give it up for David Clifford and Shane O'Donnell <laughs> alright second award is controversy of the year there was a lot of these I actually had to narrow these down and take, take controversies out because there seemed to be a lot um, during the year the first one we're going to start off with is the Oma pitch being narrowed for Dublin's visit in the Super 8. Now, why this was a controversy is because Mickey Hart denied any <laughs> knowledge of this. So Mickey Hart said after the game, the narrowing of the pitch is nothing to do with me at all. That was a request from Sky that they would like more clearance at the side for all of their technology. Two days later, Sky um, <laughs> released a statement that says, this is incorrect. <laughs> Sky Sports did not ask for the pitch to be narrowed, nor would it ever make such a request. So there you go, Les. I don't know, like we've talked about this during the year. Mickey's, uh, unless Mickey's given a bum steer by the OMA uh, grounds people, is that who would be giving him false yeah. information? Uh, yeah. I don't like, it was a weird one like you say the, the detail or the sort of key to a good lie is the detail and he really went specific with it but <laughs> yeah. this is one occasion where he should have just said it's nothing to do with me I don't know what happened yeah. rather than saying it was them and then yeah. people go okay yeah. we'll ask guys see what they we're, all, we're all in agreement the pitch yeah. was narrowed that was obvious yeah. Yeah. there was a lot of room on the side of the pitch no one's even I don't think anyone even criticised Tyrone you're entitled there any, to do there it is there any shame in that no there's no shame yeah. in it like it was completely understandable so why Mickey Hart would would make up such an elaborate lie that he was bound to get caught on yeah, yeah, for yeah. such a Christian yeah. man yeah. as well <laughs> remember Stephen McDonald was on and he thought they only narrowed one side of the pitch <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were trying to explain to him why that wouldn't work but that was one of the all time classics <laughs> Stephen says well if they only brought it in one side I said but Shirenda would have to move the goals and then just silence <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah I think that was one of the moments yeah. of the year actually yeah. we should have had that yeah it's hard to think of everything right so fuck up as the year still the company, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen Wallace um, he was another controversy of the year so this was versus the county board so after um, off, or after Offaly were beaten by Wicklow in Leash after extra time in one of the games of the year exciting games of the year he got his P45 on the Wednesday so like I mean this was a, a big controversy at the time because he was obviously serving a suspension for eight weeks over an incident down in a club game he came on the show he was very annoyed at the county board saying he had the backing of the players players released a statement all these different kind of scenarios and he ended up 
just still getting sacked so like I mean he he did the rounds on the media as well and I had a little bit of sympathy for him but I also saw the other side of the argument as well yeah with all due respect to Stephen Wallace I think um, like, I remember at the time and I, I was kind of yeah it's it's a pity that it's it's got as messy as it has but I couldn't really blame the Offaly County Board at the same time but just on the back of that like fair play to like Paul Rose came in and did an amazing job on the back of it and, like Offaly ended up having a good year so I suppose that could have threatened to put a whole stain on their entire year but it actually turned out okay in the end yeah they stayed up in division uh, three which they was seen as a success and there was issues with one or two players there was some rumblings from the from the the squad that everybody wasn't happy and then they lost to Wicklow and then he was serving suspension and I have never in my life seen the Offaly County Board side of anything because <laughs> everything you hear from them is just a nightmare yeah. so I think the way they did it with Stephen when he had the backing of the players I'd have I'd have let him see out the year at that stage Paul Rouse ends up getting the job then he did alright they beat Antrim and mm. then put in a good performance against somebody else Claire. Claire. against Clare mm. at home yeah um, and then Paul obviously couldn't commit to that so like I mean Offaly if there's controversy of the year, of the year Offaly could probably have a, a nomination every every <laughs> single year um, Kevin McStay throwing the ball at the linesman half time in the Super 8s um, Michael Murphy caught a ball Michael Murphy was running through in goals I didn't see this incident I'm not sure if you can remember this I was driving to another Super 8 game at the time I think it was up in Oma um, oh yeah it was the one RT headed off to do the horse race yeah. and that's why I probably missed this <laughs> I missed it that's right exactly I'm putting it all together now I missed this incident even on the radio luckily so, we're on controversy of the air so yeah so he gave a, a Roscommon player a handoff as in put his forearm into his face and continued on and kicked a point at an important part of the part of the game uh, uh, Kevin McStay was livid he says the linesman was facing it but I, c- but I come across this a lot um, this officiating over the last two years and some of these linesmen are incredibly precious and they like to play the hard man when when they're on and it's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team so pretty big controversy he ends up throwing the ball in fairness to Kevin McStay his aim wouldn't be that good that he threw it from a decent distance and ended up hitting him on the head like you know brilliant stuff all around yeah like he sort of felt <laughs> don't really feel for people in those situations but he did for him and they needed to win they just got hammered by Tyrone this was the game at home against Donegal who had just lost so they needed to win that one and when you see when you think officials sort of interrupting you can sort of just lose the plot a little yeah. bit yeah no exactly I think Gordon Kelly um, if you stuck that into controversy of the year him getting suspended for oh, three months for spraying water yeah. in the direction <laughs> and like he was on the show and you know explained exactly what happened like it's beyond belief he just sprayed it in front of him yeah yeah and like even if it is water like you see the Dingle official coming in and whacking a lad and getting <laughs> yeah, what did he get yeah. one game eight weeks I want to yeah, say it was only oh one sorry game. one game yeah, yeah. it was ah, actually yeah, the county yeah. final and then maybe a league game or two Gordon <coughs> Kelly missed the entire league now in fairness he got back before the championship then finally uh, nomination is the Mayo ladies controversy like I mean and this was like there was so many different layers to this there was accusation there was uh, Peter uh, Leahy coming on the show then there was further vague accusations then there was Coruscant's book and which kind of continued it on there was tears in a in a press conference mm. which only a selection of the media were asked to a lot of cloak and dagger stuff that like I'd say you know which side I'm on from uh, talking on the show and off the, the clincher for me was always been and we were saying on the show about this and we're always like geez what's happening there how can we cover this like I mean because usually I'm on the player's side then when the remaining players released their statement completely 100% back in the management I went there's something not right yeah. here and then you start trying to find out about it because this this is weird there's yeah. no way 
the majority of the panel can like the manager a small percentage of, of players the majority of which from one club don't and yeah, it turned yeah. out that you know it wasn't there was a lot to this story yeah, yeah. it's just um, I just think the whole thing is incredibly sad like I don't, we don't need to go over the details uh, again you've kind of kind of given us the run through of it there but um, it's it's just left a bad taste in the mouth and I think the, the legacy of it is going to go on for a while I mean I was just reading there lately that there's 49 players in the Mayo Ladies squad at the moment and none of them are from Carnacon and none of the players that were involved in the uh, department the squad last year are going to be involved this year like 49 players and no Carnacon players that's the, the like considering how dominant Carnacon yeah. have been at Mayo level in the last few years and there's friendships that are going to be torn out of the back of this and I just yeah. think I think it could, it could take it, it could take Mayo Ladies football years to recover and it's very sad because they've given us a lot of good times in the last few years Yeah by all accounts there was text doing the rounds uh, which actually <coughs> backed up Peter Leahy's uh, um, statement that there was some kind of corralling of players to kind of leave before that Cavan game mm. and I was desperate to get these texts to kind of vindicate that side of the argument but obviously there's relationships there and there's trust between players that if they yeah. became public yeah, it would yeah. a- turn absolutely toxic so yeah and that was another layer the Mayo ladies board came out just remember it was opposite lunchtime the morning after that press conference was broadcast on TV then like a couple of hours later oh, yeah. Mayo ladies board 1300 word statement and they weren't Sort of, you they know, didn't hold back. No, no, they didn't at all. And that was one of the things they mentioned about was it intimidation or pressure anyway for all their players in the panel to to join them and yeah. leave it and stuff. Yeah, and they, they said that. Yeah, made it clear that it was a management issue as we were always talking about as yeah. well all year. Exactly right. Well, the winner of this, like I think it's pretty obvious, the winner of this is the Mayo ladies controversy. Like I mean, so Mayo wins something, Connor, yeah, which yeah. is you know you can be pretty happy about. <laughs> but like I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. Like considering how long this went on, it almost went to the point where. I was just like oh Jesus like I mean yeah. Cora released her book at that stage and by then it was almost like oh God is this still going on we kind of <laughs> kind of still not show. really over isn't that <laughs> yeah, well that, like Peter Lee was had to confirm this week that there's no Karen Cunt players right. in the panel so, so he's still, still making news yeah yeah okay so there you go uh, congratulations to the Mayo Ladies panel I'm sure they'll accept this award very uh, gleefully <laughs> um, they're the winners of Controversy of the Year Award number three is the Joe Brawley and Colin O'Rourke inspired award for you'd prefer to go walk the dog game of the year. All right. So, like, I mean, first one up in this one has to be like a very famous day for Fermanagh. But, you know, it wasn't a game for the, for the traditionalists or for anything like that. It was a very, very dour game. It ended up Monaghan 10 points. Fermanagh won eight. Fermanagh got a goal in the last kick of the game to win it. They were 5-1 up at, at after 28 minutes after starting the game really well and then like scored three points for the remainder of the 50 minutes of the game, whatever it is, and then got a goal just to smash and grab. Um, it was a dour game, lads. It was Ulster football at probably its worst, but it threw up a big surprise. So which do you want? Ulster football at its best <laughs> as well, yeah. Like... I'm surprised that's in there because that, that's sort of what we want to see from the weaker teams, right? Like, I know you don't want to see them defend them, but you want to see Tomas them... Tomás Corrigan. <laughs> you can't want, even watch these games back. You want to see them competing and throwing up results like that so teams like Monaghan don't just get a, a walk through. I'm not, I'm not going to partake in this category because it's too <laughs> negative. Like, you know, this is doomsday stuff here. Well, this is a look back on it. Like, I mean, they, another another one then, another nomination was Dublin uh, against Donegal in the Super 8. So, like, I mean... This, the last 15 minutes of this game while we all understand why Dublin played the way they did just turned the game the game ended up a little bit farcical in that Dublin did, or Donegal didn't want to come out and take the ball Dublin didn't want to bring it into contact and you're like Donegal you're bloody 8 points down 
go get the ball yeah. and try and win the game and they seem to be content just to lose by five which they end up they beat I think they're the only team the whole year that beat the handicap with Dublin so maybe <laughs> they came the moral victory for there that. it is but like we always joke on the show that yeah. it's Dublin versus the handicap and literally almost every game can I say literally there no almost every game <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually beat the handicap I suppose if they were told beforehand that they would be, be beaten by five points they nearly would have taken or Donegal fans would have taken it especially to beat the yeah, for, if it came to score difference yeah. they'd be thinking but that's it's one thing to be told beforehand and it's another thing to actually see how it happens I mean it, as you said it was an absolute farce but again I don't know how often we have to re- reiterate this but when it's defensive team set up like that against Dublin or Dublin are ahead it's the, it's incumbent on the other team to come out and get it it's exactly. like, why, why would Dublin do anything different exactly exactly so like you can get a bit like Jim McGuinness and start trying to shift the blame across onto Dublin when that's not the case mm. at all the, the blame should be firmly if if people want to apportion blame it's not Dublin Dublin are reacting to what they're seeing um, the other lads Galway versus Kerry like this game I, I've never been so disappointed sitting in Croke Park with the expectations now I know with the bad day but Kildare and Monaghan before this game served up a good exciting game in considering the conditions then you've got the big one Galway versus Kerry Galway going so well Kerry's such a new team with so many new young fellas like this is going to be great I couldn't believe it lads mm. like I mean the crowd started emptying out in the first half for the Kildare Monaghan they were yeah, like oh, we're yeah, out of yeah. here <laughs> a combination of the rain you could hear a pin drop in Croke Park and I think it was that Monday we got Tomás Corrigan in and we were wondering about what the hell is wrong with Gaelic football lads that this has gone this bad and we were, we were reacting to what happened at the weekend the day before was Tyrone destroying uh, Roscommon and the Dublin Donegal then the day after went the only game that was anyway like watchable over that whole Super 8's first weekend was Kildare Monaghan yeah. and yeah. like I mean then we get this Galway carry and it, I put it up there in as one of the worst games I've ever had to watch the first half especially yeah. it's, all, it's always bad when you can hear what the players are shouting on the pitch in as well Super it's, especially game. in Crow Park yeah, yeah. in a Super 8's game and the, the worst thing about it is and like maybe it's uh, it's an explanation why some of the fans left is that this was the game they had to compete against the World Cup final do you know and it was like Galway Kerry right. if there's one game that you know you can actually switch <laughs> over from the World Cup finals and watch it'll be Galway Kerry and then it turned out to be atrocious like the atmosphere obviously didn't help conditions didn't help but as you said such expectation a coming Galway team and a coming Kerry team with a load of new players and like this was the, like they had absolutely destroyed Cork in the Munster final like geez, this Kerry team is something serious yeah and then to, like the result was in, wasn't in doubt from a long way out you know like so uh, not only was the atmosphere terrible as it is but we're just the last 20 minutes half an hour just waiting for it to end and I know David Clifford got a goal at the end but it had never been in doubt before that but uh, yeah this was I, I'd agree this was one of the worst games I've seen in a yeah, long time horrific stuff it was one of the games that put the, the writing on the wall for Fitzmaurice right because this yeah. sort of set up sort of defensively and uh, too much fear and respect for yeah, Galway he played a sweeper like I mean we've talked about this without getting too much into the tactics <laughs> this is always your damned if you and you're damned if you don't if you don't play a sweeper you're full like against Monaghan or Conor McManus gets one bloody nine or ten you're an idiot and they had Comer and Ian Burke so like I mean Mm. I refuse to say that him playing a sweeper was the wrong thing to do and all he did was play Crowley there who's who's a defender anyway it's not like he brought back James O'Donoghue to play that role like that would have been a critique but anyways that's always the case and especially in Kerry um, the great Paddy O'Shea said something about them being animals uh, which might have rang true when they lose there's a a huge kind of you know backlash against the manager but anyways then the last uh, nomination is Dublin versus anyone in Leinster so Dublin we know the Leinster Championship is a complete waste of time now we know Dublin are too good for everybody else but just as the draw happened this year because Carlo beat Kildare 
and Leash beat Carlo then so Kildare didn't get through to play Dublin the only team that can really realistically give them a game so Dublin beat Wicklow 425 to 111 Dublin beat Longford 225 to 12 points and then Dublin beat Leash in the final 125 to 10 points so they consistently scored 25 points <laughs> in every in every game and just the goal count um, went down a little bit but like man they're, they're turkey shoots like who is any you'll say what you want against Fermanagh and Monaghan while you go on Twitter a lot during the first half while they're you know they're testing each other out and no one will take the ball in contact I do take the point that at least with defensive systems you'll be in, engaged in the last 15 minutes as Mm. you know you're not sure who's going to win at what point are you ever engaged in any of those three results Out, outside Leash put, in fairness in Leash's defence they Good had a great, a great first 20-25 minutes yeah. Jim Gavin was engaged the whole way through yes yeah, he knew he what a challenge these teams <laughs> posed for him yeah exactly well anyways listen we'll give out the winner of this one and for the reason I gave um, it's Dublin versus anyone in Leinster <laughs> all right Award number four and this is the supporters leaving before the final whistle performance of the year so you don't really want to get this one so it used to be awful performance so just change the name of it basically <laughs> um, so first nomination is Cork so this was a game I was at in Amore Park and it just happened to follow one of the best games of the year with Roscommon and Armagh and Cork were abysmal Tyrone ended up winning 320 to 13 points so like I mean Cork same thing happened to them in the Munster final before that where their fans there must be thinking what the hell like how, this is the third or fourth different manager now that just can't seem to get anything out of these crowd of fellas so like I mean that was awful um, the other nomination is Roscommon um, just happened to get spanked by Tyrone as well it's incredible what Tyrone can run oh, yeah, up on yeah, teams yeah, yeah. and I remember Kevin McStay said after this game he's like fair play to them their athleticism their conditioning is way ahead of ours and we couldn't live with it you're just trying to keep the margin manageable and all the runners are coming from the defence all the time and we started getting tired and not tracking boom you get tired and you stop tracking Tyrone and their tails are up and they're just running from everywhere mm. and the fear like because Tyrone are naturally a cagey team in that they won't all bomb forward they're more concerned about worrying about the defence so if it's a cagey game they won't all commit but the minute they see you wilting yeah. it's like I'm going I'm going yeah. no I'm going and they all end up everybody going was everybody going game. and they end up just getting goals that are just yeah. crammed into the net because yeah. there's lads left over like it's incredible so twice Tyrone have demolished um, and that was actually twice in a row or close enough to it third nomination for this is for Mana who left Tomas Corrigan and who also left uh, Quigley um, Sean Quigley on the bench as a whole other runners kicked wide after wide in the first half and they got destroyed <laughs> by Kildare um, they were 113 to 5 down at half time ended up conceding 320 and that's with two scorers who you might think right well if we leave our two best scorers on the bench we might keep the score down a bit but Kildare had their had like we're coming off the Mayo result and we're flying it so I don't know what your thoughts there are lads have you anything to add to that have I missed anyone there but that's probably what a lot of people are missing with Tyrone like Fermanagh trying to copy that with a whole load of runners like Tyrone's runners Tyrone are naturally so many good footballers like you see it like when they're playing weaker teams like boys can turn it on they might not be as good as Dublin or Kerry but there's such quality in the team and like Peter Hart's a runner Niall Sutton's a runner but they're amazing players Like so when they're running they still have the quality to put scores over the bar and against Roscommon actually I think all the scores were like on the 20 metre line you know, there was no risky shot nothing from far out because it yeah. just ran past them and clipped it over but it's harder for other teams to replicate it is it is not anyone can do it Tyrone seemed best suited about it very interesting about Tyrone is you see a lot of counties now and they're giving out about these new rules I've seen nothing from Tyrone 
not you one player <laughs> or not Mickey Hart usually yeah. has his column yeah, and he'd yeah. be moaning it now maybe I've missed it but I haven't seen one and maybe Mickey Hart's at the point where look we've done this for four or five years actually towards the end of this year against Monaghan against Dublin they were starting to be a little bit more orthodox I'm wondering is Mickey Hart kind of like geez yeah let's just see how this works out now maybe I could be completely uh, wrong I'd say it is because it I helps defences it. you doubt it okay uh, just, just from the history <laughs> of Mickey Hart if done to the defence really that's uh, what he, he's licking his lips now I think no, I'd say <laughs> you, you and Andy McIntyre <laughs> don't know what you're talking anything. about you know what I'd say you're delighted listening to Andy McIntyre <laughs> yeah, I was him with one or two not really well thought out arguments the same as your own <laughs> that's a few people you've had on the show you? you've asked them the question they give you an answer you don't want to hear and you're like well, okay move on yeah yeah well listen I thought well look, listen Andy McEntee I'm not sure Andy McEntee actually thought too much about these rules like he hadn't even tried a 15 versus 15 in train no we talked about them a bit and you know you know his coach Colin uh, Nally mm. has been on record as saying that teams are going to kick the ball to touch so Andy okay. has got one or two dooms this situation in his head. Nally thinks he can kick it a touch, which is the most obscene <laughs> thing. Are they going to practice that? Listen, but like this is a fact because I saw this on Twitter and I remember retweet or somebody drew my attention to it on Twitter, tagged me in it, and said, "Look at this. What's your thoughts on this?" And I went, "Let me have a think about this." And I couldn't believe it when I, I actually saw that this Colin Nally, who's a, who's the Mead footballing coach, is coming out with the same stuff. So paint this picture. It's it, it's in the game's in the melting pot. You're in big trouble. You've got possession. They think that it's in your best interest to drive the ball out of touch, into touch, and defend the sideline ball because it has to go forward. <laughs> so let me just break this down t- to you. T- like, you have possession, and we understand how important possession is now. It's God. They want to give possession away with a 50% chance of maybe winning the back. And when you drive the ball out, you have to you have only got that amount of time to move up the field and match up on every... Because you've obviously got a lot of men back. You have to pair off on every single one of them Not in everyone. the time... Well, you do, right? <laughs> well, the ones that are ahead of the ball. Okay, the ones who are ahead <laughs> of the ball. So you have to have that aggressive press on. Then when you get the aggressive press on, you have to ensure that the man you're on can't just sprint ahead of you and gather the ball into his, into his chest and actually have the possession. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I knew you would like it I'm just uh, envisaging the crowd applauding a good kick to touch if yeah. it gets right to the corner oh well done a kick to touch a ball boy will have that thrown to a lad straight yeah. away and it'll be a men naturally at that stage of the game are always going to be all over the field it's just the most dumbest thing I've ever heard but so like when I saw a fellow on Twitter saying it I was like okay yeah there's lads doing this all over the place imagine the mead footballing coach thought of this anyways I didn't say it to Andy there I said I'd leave it off um, right, so the winners of this, I think Ross Common are win- winners of this, lads, because it happened against Dublin as well, where they got destroyed. They went to the Super 8s, and in fairness, they were a huge letdown. They got well beaten at home by Donegal as well. So you could argue and say that their supporters left with 20 minutes to go in every single Super 8 game that they were in, which is a really disappointing thing yeah. after, you know, making to the promised land. So the winners of supporters leaving before the final whistle of the year, or performance of the year, is Ross Common. <laughs> All right, award number six is the so-called Weaker County famous win of the year. Now, I have to say, I haven't put Fermanagh into this. Their win against Monaghan was obviously sensational. I don't class Fermanagh as a Weaker County. They've been working in Division 2 for a, a long number of years. They've beaten a lot of big teams in the last 10, 15 years. I don't know about G, but I don't see Fermanagh as a Weaker County. And that's why, if you're going to, because there are going to be thousands of mm. you now complaining, no yeah. one will complain. What's the criteria? Division 4? I think Division 4 but it have to be a weaker county right so all these three are like there's, there's going to be no debate whether these are weaker counties right so the three nominations for this are Carlo um, their win against Kildare 
Um, so they won 214 to 110. Now, this is against a good Kildare team who proved themselves. Now, you can say Kildare slept, walked into it, didn't show Carlo respect. That's all irrelevant. Carlo destroyed Kildare in a Leinster quarterfinal. They had no wides. It was their first win over Kildare since 1953. It was something like over 60 years. So like all all criticisms I have about Carlo's uh, system or anything like that is put aside. This was arguably, we'll see who wins it, but this was the result of the year. I didn't see this mm. coming. I actually slightly fancied Loud against Carlo, but wasn't surprised Carlo beat Loud. But I just absolutely would have put my house in Kildare to win that game. Yeah, but it wasn't the it wasn't a matter of a plucky underdog beating the giant killer, you know, like getting lucky with a last minute goal or anything like oh, that. No, they, they, comprehend, well. they comprehensively beat Kildare. Well, they did get a last minute goal now, but yeah, they were four points up. Like, yeah, they, yeah, they, exactly. they did beat them they, well. Yeah, they, 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 the game won anyway. And as you said, to shoot no wides was just absolutely incredible. But uh, yeah, um, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Okay. Waterford beat Wexford, three fourteen to one eighteen. First ever championship meeting between Waterford and Wexford, um, and it was Waterford's only second. Um, ever win in the competition in the qualifiers second ever against your neighbours who you never get to play against even though there would be a natural rivalry there with Waterford and Wexford because neither would ever have come out of the provinces so traditionally outside of the qualifiers they never play each other that's the goal JJ Hutch or the game JJ Hutchins scored an absolute screamer in we know Wexford are kind of uh, on the slide a lot but Tom McGlinchey who's finished with Waterford now that was a sensational win we had him on the show as well and he was really good yeah like that's probably I suppose the definition of a weaker county like I wouldn't like I, I thought that was harsh on Fermanagh but when you look at Waterford like they, they are a weak county they've only won yeah. twice and yeah like I, I sort of look at Fermanagh historically they've only won they, they've never won of two counties and never won a, a province yeah but traditionally say, yes yeah. yeah but like I mean these okay the other one is Leitrim who yeah. beat Loud these are all Division 4 Carlo obviously got out of it but these are life have been lifers in Division 4 Fermanagh are not that you know Fermanagh yeah. have beaten Armagh in the championship you know what I yeah. mean like I mean yeah. you know and they've had some really good results in the Ulster championship as well um, so Leitrim won their third ever qualifier they beat Loud 25 points to 112 21 points came from play this is Leitrim we're talking about. So they won by they obviously won by ten points. Loud finished by t- with twelve players. Loud obviously were beaten by Carlo as well. So they were beaten by two of the you know so called weaker counties. They had a nightmare year. Pete McGrath's gone now, so there's a new manager um, in there. So like I mean, I remember this. We had Emlyn Mulligan on um, after this one, and you know Emlyn was absolutely brilliant. You could listen to Emlyn a lot. He's very realistic. Mm. I remember this result. Fantastic. I think they were at, could have been actually down just. Before before half time and then one sending off and then Leitrim just took, took over. off yeah yeah oh, shout out to Le- like as in like Connick man Le- Leitrim don't often get their moment in the spotlight you know and like this came after Leitrim were on the verge of getting beaten by New York in New York back in mid like it really looked like going into the, the last minute that they were going to get oh, beaten oh yeah so the good like the good thing about all that you're talking about Emma Mulgan being in great form the great thing about all this is that like the stories that come out of it like when you mentioned kind of Wardford earlier great picture of them you know sipping a few beers on the pier oh Wardford that was great and, yeah you yeah, know yeah. and yeah just even going back there was such a feel good factor around Carlo in the summer as well when they won you know you see Turtle O'Brien on the 6-1 news the next day and stuff like that so they, they don't get often get their moment in the spotlight I think they would if they were in a second two-year championship but anyway which uh, they don't want I know yeah but for now it was great to see yeah obviously and like I mean well, okay we'll give winners or Carlo because obviously two of them were qualifier wins Carlo was championship against a team that really we thought would step up and ended up stepping up beating Mayo and getting to the Super 8s and you know performing very well in the Super 8s so that puts 
Carlo's achievement in shocking the whole country into context um, 214 to 110 against Kildare in O'Connor Park um, that was definitely the Carlo rising it wouldn't get any higher the, the rising didn't go any higher than that um, so yeah congratulations Carlo who have won so-called Weaker County famous win of the year Alright so now if there's anyone from Croke Park um, listening in GA administration you should probably tune out now because there's one or two left in the last three which might not uh, reflect too well on you guys so we're starting with number seven which is GA management PR fuck up of the year um, so number one has to be Newbridge or nowhere so we all know what happened here so Mayo and Kildare drew each other in the qualifiers Kildare were drawn out first the rules state that the team drawn out first unless you're one of the weaker counties in division 3 or 4 you get home advantage the game was fixing, fixed in Croke Park <laughs> now it's no surprise Mayo have a huge following it's no surprise Mayo's huge following would pack into Croke Park it's no, it's no surprise to me that this was motivated by money um, Kildare's ground is horrific I was in it for the Port Leash Moorfield game and it is a throwback but what is home advantage if you can't bring another team who's not used to playing in your horrific stadium? <laughs> now, the pitch, the pitch is grand in, in yeah, Newbridge. Yeah. It's a little bit tight, but the pitch is fine. It's just the whole stadium is very, very old. But, like, I mean, that's what home advantage is all about. That's the FA Cup where Man United have to go to bloody Akron and Stanley and their fans stand on the terrace while the whole stadium is rocking for the home team. And that's where surprises come out of. So, I think, the, I think Alan Milton went on off the ball. Um didn't come across brilliantly I don't think on off the ball um, Fergal McGill really uh, hit the home run <laughs> when he said um, now this is when Kildare is saying that there's a lot of voice a lot of noise coming out of Kildare saying look this game is going to be at home so he says we fully appreciate where Kildare are coming from we don't take home venue off the team lightly however health and safety has to come first it's that simple the last thing we wanted to do is take this out of Newbridge lies but we, simply, <laughs> but we simply had no choice. There is no room for manoeuvre. There is no room yeah, for manoeuvre. That's the most satisfying. Not when it comes to health and safety. Um, if Kildare don't show up in Crow Park on Saturday at 7pm, the game will be awarded to Mayo. Fergal McGill's tail firmly between his legs. Yeah. Um, in fairness, Kildare panel, squad, not county board, it might as well be said, but squad and management dug their heels in, fought the good fight, and had an absolutely brilliant players and management win against administrators. Mm. Yeah, I spoke to Owen Doyle, the captain, recently, and he was talking about how they went to training on Tuesday, and it was actually in Newbridge. And beforehand, it's a ten-minute meeting, and they just they put it all out on the table and said, "Lads, if we do this, we could go out of the championship." But they said they were all in agreement that they were willing to risk that, and yeah. they would be happy to go to the championship, sort of fighting for what was right. And they took a stand. Yeah. And this, like this, is this health and safety stuff is coming after the Kildare County Board I think the guards had said there's actually no health and safety yeah, we're going yeah. to make it all ticket so you don't have to worry about the supposed health and safety and I, very few ended up getting in into the ground because of the health and safety but it was only health and safety if it wasn't all ticket like it this is McGill and Was McGill there a suggestion that Mayo fans would turn up anyway and possibly oh, present problems Well that was one of the all time greats It was just not going to happen Yeah The good thing about it like, I, Well I think Keen O'Neill set the tone for a start I think he was interviewed on the 6 News 6 yeah. 1 News on the Monday like put across a really clear statement wasn't you know, wasn't being arrogant or anything but he was just saying listen we're, we're going to play in the Newbridge and that's the end of it and the good thing about it was and I, like I say this being from Mayo was that the whole country and I think most Mayo sensible Mayo kind of fans got behind him saying 
their right to want to play in Newbridge and like we supported their right and they, they suddenly like it had the momentum, momentum of a runaway freight train like you know within a couple of days and then the GA just kept shooting themselves in the foot and it just seemed like a matter of time before they would eventually turn and do the right thing but uh, they just should have done it sooner because it just like ended up being a PR disaster for them. Yeah no exactly. Liam Miller lads the Liam Miller testimony was another kind of PR absolute mess up from the GEA so this was a decision taken by the GEA when it was because of Rule 42 which prohibits the playing of non-GEA games in GEA stadiums so Liam Miller um, obviously played GEA growing up from Cork Turner's Cross wasn't going to be big enough to hold the the the, the game the tribute get the tribute match and um, I mean whether this was dealt with well by everybody involved I know this the organisation that was running it I was told hadn't even contacted Croke Park about using Parky Cueve before they started talking about Parky Cueve I think it was the Cork County Board who it was a bit messy the mm. way the whole thing done the Cork County Board started off by saying we would love to do it but we can't and then it just kind of snowballed from there but I don't think it went through due process but it looked really bad on the GEA to be turning down you know the family of Lee Miller getting as many yeah. people into that like sometimes it's almost like computer says no do you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of going, Jesus, yes, Just, we yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah, know there's yeah. a rule there for that, but forget about it yeah. for now. Yeah. That was the thing they were talking about this rule. It was like, it's your rule. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. break it. Like, and you're no, the governing body. Yeah, no, nobody cared. Like, there was no, there was no Cork Gale there saying, well, they better not play any soccer in Porky yeah. Queen. There was, I don't think know, so. They were very, like, in the minority if there was. No, like, and then they released a statement, right? So, obviously, this started snowballing and the GA was, you know, it wasn't coming out of it looking very well. So, instead of going, look, we're going to have a meeting to discuss this they actually doubled down oh, on yeah, it and yeah. said that they'd sought legal advice around funding because it was suggested that the GEA receive government funding and they absolutely cannot make that call mm. in a ground that was funded by the taxpayer or partly funded by the taxpayers <laughs> the GEA released a statement saying um, GEA is prohibited in rule from hosting games other than those in control of the association in its stadium and grounds Cork County Committee and Central Council have no discretion in this matter. Only a change at annual Congress can alter this situation. Congress takes place in February each year. The GEA has sought legal advice around funding received towards the redevelopment of Parky Cueve and believes, believes it is compliant with the terms and conditions laid down in September 2016. It's like, Jesus, lads, who know, decided yeah. to release that statement? Yeah. <laughs> it's like they just don't help each other sometimes. Anyway, so Lee Miller is um, nomination number two. Lee Miller uh, controversy. Uh, Two more under Central Council related. So Central Council just recently turned a blind eye to Dublin having uh, Super 8's, two Super 8 home games. So Fergal McGill, who's featuring again in this PRF fuck-up of the year, he said that it needs to go to Congress. And we've talked about this very recently on the show, so I won't go much into it. Obviously, the neutral venue needs to be discussed and decided at Congress but like I mean Central Council can absolutely say look if you're playing your neutral game in Croke Park like everyone else then you need to find an ulterior venue in the interest of fairness for everybody else find an alternative home venue which absolutely could be a Moor Park an hour down the road or it could be well it was definitely not going to be Newbridge anyways <laughs> but it could be like it could be O'Connor Park which is only about an hour and a half from Dublin like I mean I think that's the issue the issue with everybody here with this is that Dublin should not be playing two games. It's the, it's a de facto home venue for them now with league games being played there, all their Leinster games, bar one, then every other game. So, like, I mean, to give them two super hit games in a venue that they play the majority of their games in during the year, 
they actually play more games in Croke Park than Leash would in a Moor Park because Leash wouldn't play all their championship yeah. games in Moor Park and you know they'd only play their mm. league games there so that's the issue the issue I, d- I think can be fixed without having to go to Congress um, according to Fergal McGill then Central Council obviously rejecting a view of their own fixtures so like I mean that didn't look great on the association either even though it has to be said I do understand the reasoning for this that af- at the end of the three year cycle for Porrick Duffy's uh, new structure they're going to review it then and the CPR are invited to that and the GPS so I'm, I'm I'm less. Maybe <laughs> yeah. just it was just how dis- dismissive they were yeah. of the Roscommon suggestion. That was the message. Can part. I add one more in there? Go on. The lack of football games on TV this year. Like, remember we talked about how the rights were sold yeah. before the Super Eights came in. Yeah. So there were so many more mm. fixtures in football and hurling. Yeah. And then there was like there was no football for three weeks at one stage. Stupid. You know, during the championship. No football. Yeah. And then obviously the Sunday game when we're we're leading with the hurling that have been played that oh, day yeah, without yeah. without yeah. leading yeah. with the football yeah. which no one had seen like yeah. which was a, but like I mean it want to be interesting to see now that John Horan is going to get this tier 2 thing it's not John, John Horan's idea like I mean this is an idea that's been thrown out by so many other people John Horan's pushing it over the line because they probably have that power to influence county boards and stuff but like this will probably get through I want to be very interesting to see now if Tom Ryan comes out and says well we're very happy with where TV schedule went two years ago. Yeah, so yeah. now I know now I know we have a tier two competition, but we yeah. don't really see why we might sell that to somebody else who might really appreciate it. And, Pretty you know. much what he said last time. What's to make him oh, change exactly, his mind this yeah. time? But now there's a whole new competition. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There is like this year. they have to sell that to TV three or let somebody else into the market. There's no other explanation for this. What do they do with this? Because there's going to be tier one hurling and tier one Gaelic football. Sky and RT are going to want this. Who's going to want the tier two? They have to sell them. There has to be. Yeah. This is not okay. There's a five year contract for exclusive exclusivity. This is not the deal that was sold. So we have new games now. So we have to let somebody else into yeah. the market, whether it be Air Sport, TV3, yeah. whoever it is. And there has to be new players in the game. I think now. it's a great idea, but does it not further cement the tier two's place in the pecking order below? You know, below, below the actual tier one championship. Oh, that'll happen. If you, oh, well, like, you know, but it, not, it deserves <laughs> to be below. I know, it. Like, but that, that's no that's what they'll say. Like, you know, you yeah. know, you're just a you know, you know, look look at it, look at it as as if it was at the bottom of your shoe. You know, just further kind of increase their perception that they're just you know down the pecking order. You'd be surprised though, because like I mean, you you sell them safe to TV three and let them do a Sunday game on the Division two games. Like there could be Sunday, the other Sunday game could be dominating hurling that yeah, night yeah. and then you've all the football fans will be like jeez I wonder what happened in this you know because there'll be good teams in it as well like I mean Leash we Leash be playing Armagh we'll be playing Fermanagh like I mean there's attractive enough yeah. games in that like I agree yeah so Tipperary would probably be in it Tipperary in Division 2 anyways we can who got relegated Down are in it aren't they yeah Down yeah. are in it yeah um, so yeah there are plenty of uh, there are pr- plenty of um Carlo are in it or that Carlo Rising there are plenty of attractive <laughs> games anyways so the the award for GA management PR F up of the year I've said that curse word too often and my mother hears that she'll be losing <laughs> her mind um, is Newbridge or nowhere I don't think anyone have any any agree any disagree with that Newbridge or nowhere congratulations So award number eight is for individual performance of the year. So more positive one, lads, you know, just to mix it back up again. So we'll start with football and I have the first one down here, a Shane Walsh in the Connacht final. So he scored eight points, which was half of Galway's total of 16. This was a very cagey game. He scored five from freeze, good ones, and he got three brilliant points from play. 
this was nip and tuck for a lot of the game Gal- or Galway obviously excellent in the second half um, Shane Walsh I think Shane Walsh really stood up this year mm. and went from being a little bit kind of flattering to deceive to having a very consistent run of good performances and this is a Connacht final when he was needed against the team that had beaten him the year before in a cagey game yeah. it's kind of game you might have thought Shane Walsh often doesn't really yeah. produce in and no disrespect to him but he did produce he was outstanding he's the first nomination yeah he really ran that game and, and stood out in a game that wasn't well it wasn't pretty to watch because of the conditions but like because of the conditions it didn't make it it didn't make the ideal you know didn't make, make it ideal conditions for Shane Walsh's game but like there was everything he he ran the game he ran like he was centre forward he ran a lot of ball because he had to because there was a strong breeze that day as well as you said it, like, I think he scored 8 points uh, including 5 frees off the ground if I'm not mistaken they were both with his right and his left yeah. on the day <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah as you said like I, th- I think in the years before this year like Shane Walsh would have had a reputation I think Flakey is too strong but occasionally he would have um, just kind of dipped in and out of games but I think this year was really the year where he kind of became that consistent forward that you knew he was going to be for years and this was probably although he was very good against Dublin and Kildare I have to say but this is probably his best game of the year Yeah no completely agree Graham Brody versus Monaghan um, Graham Brody probably one of the stories of the summer like he wasn't in the mix for an all-star only because Began and Cluxton um, had brilliant years but like I mean as regards the goalkeeper that maybe you might remember from the championship after Began I would kind of have uh, Graham Brody because of his forays up the field which Portlaoise don't utilise which I kind of disagree with um, because of his absolutely cat-like saves and we saw it again only in the only in the Portlaoise match with that save from, from your man Mullen that didn't play mm. in, the, in the final that was a sensational save like that's just the very 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 top drawer and he had five individual breathtaking saves in one game against Monaghan now you know so like I mean as good an individual performance as you see he, for, for to come from a county like Leash and to get as much kind of airtime on the Sunday game is unusual from yeah. a Division 4 team there was one against Darren Hughes and I'm a broken record saying this but it was similar to that Mullen one where again he, he wants Darren Hughes to go into a certain place and he makes him go into that place and then he saves it like it's it's unbelievable what he does like he obviously he came to a lot of people's attention against Dublin because he was running out the pitch and yeah. you know helping with the play a few great the saves line. against Dublin yeah. as well yeah and then this game then was just like wow because like, you've always talked about him in training how you can score past him yeah. and then he just saw it in all its glory against Monaco that was it she were just thinking well that's just you and I completely <laughs> accepted that I went I need to think of a better argument to try and talk this Ross man Ross Munley can <laughs> score against <laughs> right so the third nomination is Conor McManus versus Kerry listen this and I think this is important to point out very very rarely in the last seven or eight years has Conor McManus played a game that there hasn't been a man planted right in front of him this is a game against a Super 8 a top 3 team against Kerry no sweeper in Clonus I'd say Conor McManus could not believe yeah. what is going on and this fella scored was it 1-9 or 110? I saw two different reports I think it was 110 with 1-5 from play or else 1-9 with 1-4 from play but anyways 1-4 from play sensational or 1-5 brilliant off the freeze and it just gives you an indication of what this lad is capable of given a bit of space yeah uh, yeah, as you said, like I think, was, yeah, I think it was one ten, one five from play, something like that. But like Conor McManus is always amazing, or mostly amazing in those championship games, and he might have an amazing game and end up with two points from play, yeah, just because he's had one, like one, at least one, if not two men in front of him in a packed defence. And but like, against Gary, like he got a goal in the second minute, and I'm pretty sure there was one 
defender inside the 45 with him <laughs> he couldn't believe his luck yeah. and then like I, I, I wondered like he's so good that I doubt it anyway but like you know how that momentum can kind of carry you through a game if if he didn't get that score in the first couple of minutes would he have gone on to have the game that he had and actually Eamon Fitzmaurice was trying to defend the decision to leave Mark Griffin on him lately he said Mark Griffin had been flying in training and actually he'd been marking Paul Gini and if you mark Paul Gini if you're doing well on Paul Gini you can do well on anyone but uh, he definitely <laughs> underestimated no. Conor, Conor McMahon's and, ability there and Conor McManus has had to evolve his game where he kicks balls from the sideline like the obvious one is against Tyrone in Oma which he won't kick them every day because it was so far out but he kicks them uh, regularly from that really impossible angle and it's the only place he can actually get on a ball he has to run to the wings to gather ball but against Kerry he was able to get him in all sorts of dangerous positions I'd say if you were to ask him what game did you enjoy more playing in in your whole career he'd probably say with the atmosphere the home Super 8 against Kerry no sweeper I'd say he was just thinking like this is just what Gaelic <laughs> yeah. football is all about and it's funny like if you watch him against Tyrone he doesn't often even make many no, first he's, runs he's actually you'd almost say he's gone lazy he's yeah. like almost maybe not lazy but he's gone he's got this patience thing down to a team yeah it's, like, it's, it's unbelievable patience like, but it's it's funny because you have definitely a crew park as well it was Frank Burns the first day it was Tierney McCann the second day sitting in front of him and Parry Campsley just holding his shirt and but he's not moving like these yeah. boys are freaking out yeah. waiting for him See, but he probably knows that moving there is a waste of his time That's I'm going like, to conserve my energy and he gets the ball in the loop anyway with a hand pass then, yeah. like, but he changes it up but then when he got the chance against Kerry yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll, leave it, yeah, we'll <laughs> leave it at that we'll leave it at that there's no, there's no uh, topping four <laughs> uh, the fourth nomination is Paul Broderick versus Kildare now he got 11 points um, two of them from play and uh, nine from freeze I'm pretty sure but no wides just a complete um, shoot out from Broderick so he got 11 out of 14 out of 14 uh, points with no wides and you know was obviously instrumental in that absolutely famous win so anything to say about that lads or will I move on to announce the winner he got his yeah. All Star nomination as well didn't got he? his All Star yeah, nomination yeah so he's done very he's done very well she met him I did a, a talk with him in a school in Leash at the start of this year comes across as a really sound really good fella and he hadn't wouldn't have been that well known at the start of this year but now everybody knows who Paul Broderick is and yeah. good for him you know um, I think the winner is Paul Broderick would be disappointed I think the winner has to be Graham Brody for individual performance of the of the year just absolute cat-like saves uh, kept his team in a game against Monaghan would have been blown out of the water only for him five different saves uh, in the one game and we're not talking about routine saves here we're talking about one-on-ones so like I mean for a goalkeeper to do that is absolutely outstanding so congratulations to Graham Brody who won individual performance of the year so individual performance of the year for hurling um, we've got Joe Canning versus Wexford lads so we've got 12 points here including two sidelines so then Joe Canning against Clare 12 points and two sidelines against Clare um, <laughs> the first day as well Aaron Galan who got 6 from play versus Cork in the All-Ireland semi-final Shane Dowling in that same game where he completely turned the game back in Limerick's favour got 1-4 off the bench which was absolutely sensational Conal Keeney 4 from play against Kilkenny in Parnell Park I have a load of nominations here <laughs> just let, let me know Conal Keeney versus uh, Kilkenny in Nolan Park brilliant brilliant performance 4 from play Cahill Mannion 6 from play versus Kilkenny in the replay and Cahill Mannion like nobody else when he turns it on he's unmarkable he's absolutely sensational and he was that day in um, in and around Johnny Glynn who was brilliant that day too John McGrath 5 from play against Cork in Turles that was one of the most or sen- most sensational games of the whole year uh, you have Peter Duggan 14 points versus Galway 
uh, one or two of those points were absolutely that was that point of the year the one absolutely. where he was I was hoping you mentioned that in the goal of the year they're on rather than score of the year that was just ridiculous never seen that yeah. that was a point though right it was yeah. a point yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I was actually laughing when he scored it because it was that ridiculous yeah and he got he, the point he got against Tipperary I thought was sensational it was just after they got the goal to oh yeah, yeah. On yeah I remember that pull yeah. it from the sideline um, Tom Morris he got an absolutely sensational point against Kilkenny the last point of the game as well from the sideline Kyle Hayes all in final four points from play 19 years of age went to the swimming pool the next morning for a recovery <laughs> session um, like I mean this is just a new breed lads it's a new the game's gone the game's <laughs> gone uh, TJ Reid versus Wexford so that was in Nolan Park Wexford were brilliant in the first half and TJ Reid led Kilkenny uh, back into it TJ Reid really almost got performance individual performance of the year right up until right throughout the league league final and he was the real player of the of the league I think the winner of this one while it is difficult and I'm not going to throw it to the two of you because you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> I think it is a pretty a pretty um, I, personally this is the one I'm going for I'm going for Shane Dowling because you've got 1-4 coming off the bench no face on him the penalty was absolutely beyond belief completely completely turned the game down without this substitution coming on whatever Alar Galan did was brilliant right throughout the game and he was playing brilliant and he was cleaning up he still Limerick would not have won without that spark and that one four from Shane Dowling to do for a sub. Very rare you, ha- you see a sub making that kind of impact. So yeah, so for individual performance of the year, coming off the bench, even we'll give this one to Shane Dowling. Uh, award number nine, lads. So this is the Porrick Duffy Award for New Structure Nightmare. <laughs> so this is all laid at Porrick Duffy's door. So it is his new structure. Um, he went away and thought of himself yes Central Council approved it grand that's okay but it's his his idea we could have told you 101 different problems with it before the year started um, without saying I told you so we flagged these up go back to when I interviewed Park Duffy and go back to when we discussed and analysed this this is not going to work so the first problem with this so we've got five nominations from Park Duffy's new structure for new structure nightmare so the Auburn Cup being played in April so there you go so Mead played Westmead uh, after the league ended was it Conan? Yeah After the league yeah. ended Cancelled twice because of the, Was it cancelled twice because of the weather I think Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cancelled twice Now the weather played a nightmare yeah. But listen if I'm starting a new structure I might think uh, that Allow for all in It is Ireland <laughs> yeah. And it is January and February you're talking about So there is a chance now yeah. that, that Usually this year it was snow Last year it was Any year is water yeah. Like I mean yeah. the pitch isn't going to be playable Um Nomination number two, last round of the league cancelled. So a lot of counties very disappointed about this in that it was Division 4 that got hit back worst with this and it was like, this is our most important competition. Mm-hmm. Like to say that you're just writing off our most important competitions to, to allow for an April free month that most counties aren't even, uh, you know, <laughs> abiding by, which, you know, is unbelievable. So they basically, they cancelled the last round of league games um, to, to be able to buy themselves time because they had too many they had too intense a start to the year yeah like That's I'm it. just looking through this list and it's like it's funny like you don't even have say Dublin playing twice this is part of the new structure as well and you're playing twice at Crew Park oh yeah I put that in a different award yeah. I? put that into like PR. this is a subsection from the GA management <laughs> PR fuck ups <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually just like flabbergasted I'm not even listening to him just looking through shaking my head going yeah. this is unbelievable the the year, third, yeah the third nomination is Kieran Malloy uh, playing two huge games in one day so this is unacceptable unacceptable that you'd play an all-iron semi-final 
and head off after that and play a Sigerson final and come on at halftime. When it comes to player welfare, yeah. for the two of the top four competitions to overlap on the same day like that, mm. how can anyone stand over that? Yeah. How can anyone? And we're going into next year, lads. Without any change to that. Yeah. yeah. And he said yeah. on the podcast that he's worried it'll happen again. Yeah. Liam, that. <laughs> Liam Silk didn't even play. Is that, is that right? Liam Silk was on the same panel. Yeah, he got he injured. Don't think, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, he just so. played one. Yeah. But they both travelled up th- They both travelled up together. So the fourth one and this then are teams ignoring April for clubs. Like, I mean, this is a big issue. And we saw the stats. We talked about it on the podcast. How many actual counties ran their championship later this year than last year, allowing for the April for clubs? Yeah. As anyone would have told you this, anyone would have told you this. You're asking teams, and like this is another one is the punishing leash for going away on a training weekend two weeks before the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, where yeah. else are you yeah. going to yeah. actually get some good work in? Yeah, and you know what the weird thing? Like <laughs> this all went through Congress, but like this was sold with the super eights, like which was you know everyone wanted to see a bit of change to the championship, yeah. and this was going to be you know good crack to see how it worked out, but. They added 12 more games and shortened the season. Yeah. yeah. And took out April. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts when you as, think about it. As Brian Cody, and it's good that Brian Cody has got involved in this, he says the solution, the solution they're giving us to help the club pair is to add more inter-county games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Because yeah. uh, uh, in fairness, there are some counties, and Kilkenny are a great example of this, that in those three-week gaps, see, there's no problem really, only... the the issue here was that in a three week gap that used to be in the championship every county would play club matches then then it got into the Jimmy McGuinness kind of thing where no Mm -hmm. we're going all or nothing so then you're screwed now Kilkenny never did that they always played so now their championship is running later than it was when they were actually playing games right throughout the summer so club players are in a worse position in Kilkenny than they were before the problem here is is that there's a 14 day rule a county boards can enforce any time they want so any three week break in championship during the summer you are entitled to play a club match 14 days before that championship they won't enforce that rule now I think now with the new structure it's even more impossible to do that because there are very few three week breaks now because it's all been condensed it's been condensed in so now it's actually worse it's worse it's yeah. worse for club players and especially that a lot of counties aren't even playing championship games in April it's actually much worse off with this new structure um, and then obviously the last one is hurling teams playing three weeks in a row so this has been fixed for next year thankfully so this is like Wexford playing three weeks in a row and they're playing for example Kilkenny which have had a game on a game off a game on a game yeah. off they're rested yeah. so all the teams most of them outside of uh, I think uh, there's one or two in Leinster have been losing their third ge- their or third game yeah, in a third row game, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's too yeah. it's very very intense especially in the Munster Championship anyway to fix that so instead of playing these off over four weeks they've extended it I think to five weeks so there's, they're allowing yeah. they're allowing but every I, team I think out. a lot of the management's only realised after they had done it do you know what I mean when they were after after their third game in a row and they're like geez, we didn't realise how much of a toll this would take yeah. Yeah, maybe it was flagged in advance but it definitely wasn't as flagged as much as it was afterwards after those teams had experienced it yeah definitely because obviously it'll niggle the injuries and everything right so the winner of this I think there's any, there's no uh, doubt who the winner of this is and this is Kieran Malloy having to play two huge games Sigerson final and an all semi semi-final not on it can't happen ever again but I'm sure it will if this situation arises Cara Finn are in it again yeah. has Kieran Malloy left college? nope He's still in college. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Is Liam Silk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of Guido and bloody uh, Crokes. They're, they're bound to have teams. It's, listen, I'd say the G are just praying this situation yeah. has arise because this is just absolutely wrong. Yep. So the Parik Duffy Award for new structure nightmare goes to Kieran Malai for having to play two games, two huge games in a day. 
So award number nine. Are we on to nine or ten? Ten, I think. Ten, maybe it's on ten, but I think maybe. Oh no, it's I, nine. I, I, I haven't counted these wrong, right, yeah. yeah. My numbers are wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but we won't worry about that. So this is award number nine. So this is the Woolly Parkinson Ego Award for dropping off the panel because you're not getting your game. I've no. I just want to say I've no problem with any of these nominees. <laughs> these nominees, perfectly understandable. Proud of them? <laughs> no, not proud of them. Concede their fault, but absolutely understandable. So number one might be a bit unlucky to get in here because we don't have a full story on this. Is Dear McConnelly? So Dear McConnelly dropped off the Dublin panel in April. No one's hundred percent sure why. But Dear McConnelly didn't play for Dublin in the All-Ireland semi-final or the All-Ireland final, didn't start. Um, I would say he wasn't happy about that. Definitely not getting on in the All-Ireland semi-final. Comes to the league this year and he's not getting a game either. He gets one game against Mayo and he drops off the panel. So look, Dear McConnelly could be unlucky for getting in, for being nominated into this. I don't know what you think. I think he's very unlucky. <laughs> he's, he's obviously <laughs> going to say it. <laughs> I couldn't think of, to be honest with you, I couldn't think of another, like, I mean, he he was the last one the other two were bankers <laughs> Dear McConnelly's not going to win this no. but I, I was trying to think of another you don't hear about it as much anymore dropping off the panel disgruntled because you're not getting your game yeah a lot of boys just drop off the panel to go to America which is what he did as well like, isn't it? yeah that's what he did as well yeah maybe they're dropping off to America but that's that's often with players that are actually are getting their game so yeah I couldn't think of a third nomination because the next two were the ones really that are, are the, the best ones for this so James McGrath so hurling referee uh, dropped off the refereeing panel not happy didn't get the all earned final that he thought he deserved so he released a statement Marty went down to interview him at a river as usual it's always, <laughs> it's always a river it's always a river in the background lads and you go to the you go to the historical landmark of the town yeah, yeah. and he's standing in front of it a flowing river behind and Marty's asking the question I love the way he said everyone in Westmeath is disappointed <laughs> you don't even care <laughs> like I actually haven't seen such a backlash at this actually leading the news did it lead the news it or was was on no the, it led the news it was on, it was on the <laughs> It wasn't just the sport, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Like, I mean, when, since when is this news, right? <laughs> so he didn't get the... So James McGrath said in a statement... Now, again, I don't have necessarily a problem with James McGrath. James McGrath is entitled to, to throw his toys out of the pram. James McGrath is not happy. My issue is that this is news. <laughs> this is not news. Yeah. So anyways, James McGrath said... So he did. A, I think he did a Facebook post and he says... It's a final. It's a final and irreversible, uh, obviously, decision. Given the lack of trust, confidence, and integrity by the CRAC referees uh, union or whatever I say, and I feel betrayed by the association as a consequence. Given my 18 years unbroken volunteerism to the association on the national referees panel. So there you go. That was a very hard hitting statement. Not happy, James McGrath. Didn't get the All Ireland final. Didn't get even onto the All Ireland final panel, and throws his ties out of pram. Any issues with him? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the fact that it's news for a start, but like, yeah. That, yeah, have you any issues with James as such? Well, kind of like he's it looks bad for a referee. Oh, I, I, now, I think it this does. is a new thing that referees actually have this this kind of thing. You're a volunteer. I, I didn't realise referees had the egos to actually say, I'm not picked, I'm livid, I'm, yeah. I'm dropping off. So he thinks he's paid his dues and it was time. For, like, he's done two all earned finals. I know there were two all earned fi- final replays, so he wouldn't have been selected for the final in the first place. But then, yeah, he had that lengthy statement, he had that news interview, and at the end of it, it's like, but I don't want to draw any attention away from James Owens yeah. and best luck. You've just done that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Agree, Agree into the interview. Oh. Agree into the six yeah. o'clock news yeah. interview. It's like, Jesus, that just shows you where his head is at. Now, he. 
didn't do either semi-finals so he obviously thought he was nailed on because if you don't yeah. do the semi-finals and you're one of the, the top referees then you think you're in so we understand your disappointment James but none of us give a shit <laughs> right <laughs> well all of Westmead does apparently <laughs> so the last nomination for this is another Westmead hurling referee it's Alfie Devine and Alfie Devine is 47 and this is kind of a different situation in that James McGrath is given 18 years on broken volunteerism James McGrath or Alfie Devine is on the other side of the scale he's just up and coming right but doesn't see the, his career progressing at the rapid speed he'd hoped this isn't a mercurial, mercurial, mercurial rise through the ranks he's 47 he's from Castle Pollard he joined the, Le- the Leinster referees panel five years ago only five years ago and went on in that five years to take charge of the Leinster under 21 and Leinster minor hurling finals in 2016 2017 respectfully so like I mean he's done alright as well as numerous Allianz Leagues fixtures However, the games dried up from this year when he also <laughs> when he also served as Westmead minor manager, and now he's decided to walk away from inter-county refereeing. So he's Westmead minor manager. So maybe he didn't get as many games. Is that because he's got a commitment at weekends around the same time as that? Do you know what I mean? So let's leave it to Alfie Devine. I was progressing really well, and then all of a sudden the whole thing stagnated, and the games just stopped coming. He told HoganStan.com <laughs> He actually told like, HoganStan got some Original content <laughs> Holy shit No one else Wanted this story So I wasn't happy With doing Linesman Or Fort Official I'd like to be involved In the game This is all I remember saying this In the podcast This is almost like A copy and paste Of my excuse For not For dropping off a hand I wasn't happy Just doing Linesman Or Fort Official I'd like to be involved In the game I gave it 100% commitment but it's difficult to stay interested when you're not getting the games it's disheartening but what can you do I just decided last week to call it a day I have other commitments like family and work where they have to be factors in my decision also Alfie Devine again nobody cares Alfie <laughs> it's like a letter to Jim will fix it or something you know, it's like refereeing is Alfie's dream if you can make it happen yeah. please help me. Uh, but then the, the old stock other commitments like family and work yeah. that's what players say you don't care about your other commitments anyways so I'm not sure this is a toss up really between the two Westmead referees there was another referee story in Wicklow a couple of weeks ago I think you were off so we didn't get to chat about it but Go two on. referees showed up to referee the same game ooh like oh. two stags uh, bloody heads <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they had a bit of a back and forward on the pitch and then like one of them just went off on a huff and one person refereed the game really but yeah have an argument over somewhere. no I'm not refereeing the game you're <laughs> refereeing the game <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. wondering you've been involved in administration level with your club how much do referees get for those games is it like 20 quid from each team it's not much I know I made a mind that the he they get it all at the end of the year. That's a Mayo anyway, and he just brings his uh, he brings his umpires in line. Is that an inter county referee? I know this club referee. Club referee, yeah. right? Okay, it's um, I oh, could be wrong. I think it's around 40, 50 quid. Yeah. 40, 50 quid a team. I thought it was so twenty. But maybe that's for challenge games, is it? When you just all throw in a quid each or something. See, this like. is what I get for throwing a question during the middle game. There, <laughs> you've been involved in administration. I thought you'd have this covered, Conan. Right. So, who are we giving this to? Because I don't, like I just said three times, I don't care. It's not dear McConnelly. He's in the clear because he might. We just needed a third nomination. Um, I think they'd all be angry if we gave it to none of them. Do we give it? Do we, okay. Do we give it to basically the Colin Cooper who's put in eighteen years, who's been there all his career, the big name, or do we give it to the David Clifford, the up and coming lad whose career just didn't progress as fast? 
seven year old up and comer Alfie Devine I mean <laughs> we don't have a video of Alfie Devine we do have James McGrath we've got an opportunity to go down and give Alfie the award by a river yeah and sort of get him out for an interview and yeah but then again Alfie might have been contacted by Marty might have said Marty yeah. this is yeah. I'm, this is not that big so <laughs> I think Sam might have done that interview by the river already I <laughs> I'm giving it to James McGrath for agreeing to meet yeah, okay. Marty Morrissey okay so the Woolly Parks and Eagle Award for dropping off the panel because you're not getting your game goes to James McGrath so congratulations James final award lads is a special award for celebration of the year and like I mean this goes to Guido we're not even going to mess around with this <laughs> so like I mean Guido took it to absolute new levels after winning the Ulster Club and we obviously don't see celebrations from intercounty teams because they keep it all hush hush um, Kevin Cassidy basically his career ended before social media became a thing <laughs> so we can only think back of what we could have expected yeah, from yeah. Kevin Cassidy after the All-Ireland <laughs> Final it would have ended very quickly <laughs> with social media I'm not sure it would have gone down well with Jim McGuinness <laughs> yeah. even though Jim is a bit, bit more relaxed about things like this but a couple of different things for their celebration now we have teams like we mentioned Castle Rahan so Keen Mackey was supposed to come on the show and Keen went uh, AWOL for <laughs> For like nearly two weeks, we had actually we we had we had the manager on the the show, didn't we? Saying that he didn't get the players back until no, it wasn't it was, on, but he did it? he did talk about I think it was the Irish News. Oh, that was like it. That, yeah. yeah. So he did, they played in the Ulster Club and actually performed really well against Cool Rain, wasn't yeah. it? And he said, well, I didn't get them back till last Thursday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was two weeks ago. <laughs> so it was like these lads really dogged it out of it. So. Dogging it out of it is not unique to Guido. We just got to follow their them dogging <laughs> yeah. out of it, which we don't often have. So I'm sure Mullen and Hockta this week are having big celebrations, but nobody's documenting it. I'm not criticising the documentation of it. I thought it was great. It was a bit of crack, and we were able to see how crazy they got. Because I'll have to be honest and hold my hands up here, lads. And I spoke with Alan Brogan on the phone about this. I've never seen anything like these fellas, right? <laughs> so it's not like I wouldn't have won club titles. I would have I've won stuff with Leash usually you go out that night and the next day and Alan agreed with me on this so it's not like this is just maybe it's just Leinster just don't know how to party like these lads so the next day Ballyragget in my experience <laughs> Ballyragget but that was the Sunday night yeah. so the next day you go into the pub and especially after club because the town isn't really going mental do you know what I mean it's not when we won the Leinster with Leach a lot of the pubs would have been packed the next morning when you get down there but with, with the club you're just really getting in yourselves and you might a few lads might have a newspaper and you're just kind of getting back into the swing of things and you might watch the video of the county final and it'll get a bit cr- a bit of crack later on that night but you start, you ease your way back into it on the Monday so I ring these two fellas uh, Audra McNeilish and uh, Niall Freel the next morning and when the door opens to this pub this is coppers at 4am yeah, yeah, right? yeah. so I had never like I mean these are landing into a nightclub yeah. when they land down because I was on to McNeilish and he was at home I says I'm heading down to Mickey's now in the next five minutes and the agreement was we talked a few of them in Mickey's and then when we got they got down to Mickey's it was like I can't talk to these lads down here like <laughs> I was thinking it might be a situation like me where it's all kind of calm and they pass the phone yeah. around but anyways so I said to Niall Freel on, on, the, on the interview I says Niall uh, what will you do today now it's just a stupid naive question for me will you watch the video now or anything and he, he laughed at me <laughs> what, what are you ta- we're in Mickey's we won't be watching any video <laughs> like, like the, the, even to Niall Friel the idea that they would even watch yeah, a video yeah, it just yeah. made me seem like an awful nerd oh, altogether yeah what a little baby this lad going to watch a video he says we're in Mickey's so basically that was it then we got a good few different videos doing the rounds and then it, to top it all off we had the traveller call out from Guido, Guido to uh, 
to Corrafin. So we had Neil McGee calling Corrafin bastards, absolutely bananas. Yes, and we, we bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and we had Kevin Cassidy putting his jukes up to the camera. So him like in a him vest with the shoulders oh, popping. Yeah, like, yeah. I, that was a frightening video. <laughs> Neil McGee was frothing at the mouth. He and was. Like, you know, sort of stitching the camera of his head. I yeah. tell you what. Yeah. No, yeah. I, that, that's not taken down or anything, is it? Like, I mean, they haven't even regretted that, have they? I think so. No, oh, look, so. it was good crack. It was, anyway, taken, so. it was taken in the, in the spirit it was meant. <laughs> I wouldn't think it's going to be pinned up in the... <laughs> in the Corrafin in the Corrafin or dressing room or anything like that so that's it um, listen you think you can celebrate but nobody in my experience can celebrate like Guidor and maybe Donegal in general because we did have that road show or live show in, in, in Letterkenny and we got the Batman and Tweety Bird and all those oh, stories yeah, yeah. <laughs> were classics as well Donegal just do it different That's always time for, for the Woolly Awards. We will be back next year. And we could be coming from a live venue next year. I really, like, I'm talking about this the last three years. It just has to happen. Yes? Yeah, no, 100%. No? Okay, Get on okay. it. You're on it. Okay. <laughs> so that's it. Listen, that's always time for... We will be back. Our schedule for Christmas. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with a show. And we'll be bringing you a best of on the 31st. And then we'll be one show per week until the start of the league I think I said that last week anyway so we'll be back on Monday and we'll talk to you then right good luck I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened they've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys but these fellas they get such a Shell shock next Saturday evening that we put him back in their f***ing for f***ing years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.